Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I hope you're well. Here we are in unprecedented times. As I speak, it's Friday, the 4th of March, and uh, totally shocked. My heart goes out to the people of Ukraine. Thoughts and prayers with them and their family as last week. It's just awful, isn't it? Uh, But it is good to see the international community at least coming together and seizing some of those assets of the Russian oligarchs. But thank you for joining me once more. Let's talk about property. That's what you're here for. So the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast is all about trying to help you get an edge, whether you're buying, selling, or looking for your first investment. We are here to try and help you. And the first thing I wanted to talk about today, because lots of people are asking about negotiation. Um, We are estate agents. Our company is James Alexander, and I negotiate with people daily. And I act on both sides as well. So sometimes I'm retained by buyers in order to go and find a property. And so I sit on your side of the fence if you're a buyer. And more often than not, I sit the other side of the fence as agent. And then I'm acting, of course, for the seller. And it's very important that as a buyer, you understand this about agents is that they're employed by and therefore work for the seller unless you're employing them directly. I'm not suggesting you necessarily need a property buyer. Most, in fact, I would say don't. Um, You can act for yourself. But understand where the agent sits in the transaction. I think that's very important. Why do agents exist and why are there interfaces between buyers and sellers? There are plenty of instances now where buyers and sellers lock horns directly, and many of the online options will allow buyers and sellers to meet and carry out the negotiations themselves. But the idea of an agent is to be an interface between that buyer and seller. And because they act for the seller to try and achieve a better price than that person could achieve by direct face-to-face negotiations and advertising the property themselves. How do they do that? Well, generally, partly by volume and partly by intelligent negotiations. How do you intelligently negotiate? Well, as a buyer or seller, the important thing is to try and see things from the other person's point of view. If you're a seller, of course, you want to achieve the best possible price. And that's natural. If you're acting for yourself, it's pistols at dawn, isn't it? And this is the problem. And this is why agents exist, is that you want to achieve the best price for your property. But the buyer you're speaking to wants to pay the lowest possible price. So how do you push them on that? How do you make sure that they pay fair value? Well, it's a tricky balance. And because it's pistols at dawn, there can be terrible tension. And an agent is a good interface between that buyer and seller and can seem impartial. But let's be clear about this. Buyers, they're not. They should, in all instances, be working for their seller client. So you need to bear that in mind and factor that into your discussions with them. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be asking that estate agent questions. If you're dealing with the owner directly, in fact, or if you're dealing with the agent, you should be asking questions, pertinent questions that will help you to assess what you should be offering. The sorts of questions that are really important are how long has it been on the market? What are the seller's circumstances? Have there been any offers? 
Are those offers at or above the asking price or less? Are offers acceptable to the client or are they looking for the asking price or indeed sometimes more? Quite often now we see sellers asking offers over and achieving substantially over the price they're asking. Remember, when you're looking at those prices, you should be asking yourself one question. How does this property compare with all the others on the market? So you need to do your research. And this is where making sure that you use the portals to maximum effect comes in. When you're searching on Rightmove, make sure you include properties that are under offer so you can see comparable properties in the area that have sold and hopefully get some sort of handle on those. If you speak to the agents and have dialogue with them, they will tell you how the property is in in relation to the market, what's going on with it to a degree. You can't take it all as um, the complete transparent position on the property because they do act for the seller. So you do have to weigh that into your thought process and think, ask these questions. Obviously, it's in the agent's interest to get a sense of urgency on the sale and also to get the best possible price for the seller. And therefore, some information they may not give you. It's not personal. uh, But for instance, if somebody asked us what the best offer we'd received on a property was, we wouldn't disclose that figure to them because that would compromise our vendor's position, the vendor being the seller. So bear that in mind. So the art of negotiation is understanding where the other person sits in the transaction. It might be that the agent gives away some hints such as, well, they found a property and they really want to move. They want to complete their chain or a buyer's just fallen through and you can step in and take that person's place. And that could mean that there's uh, a deal to be had. How do you know? Well, if you're not sure, make an offer. Have dialogue with the agent and be ready and be prepared to have your paperwork ready. You know, we talked about this last week. Make sure you've got your ID in the form of a passport, a driving license, probably another form of ID as well, which establishes who you are and where you live. Um, Having all that information together with your deposit information and your finance arrangements will put you ahead of many. But also being the nice person that I'm sure you are, make sure that the agent knows that you're an amenable, reasonable person, because sometimes when we have multiple offers, it's not just about the money. It's not just about the position. You could be in exactly the same position as four other people. And then there has to be a decision made. And the first way that decision will be made is on money. Of course, you know, we would go back to all buyers and say, you know, is that as far as you're prepared to go on price? Are you prepared to push any further or are you out at this point? And then when we have your maximum offer, if your maximum offer is the same as other people's maximum offer and they're not prepared to go up either, at that point, we would advise our vendor or seller to make a choice. There are some agents that will run what we call contract races. And we don't favor these because there are always losers. Some are races to mortgage offers. Some are contract races. And this means the first past the post wins. The problem with this is that somebody loses and that loser will have spent money and time on the project. So therefore, we don't favor that system. We like to choose a buyer um, and we like our clients to choose a buyer, given the information we have to hand. But in the end, we're instructed by our vendors. And if our vendors in a real hurry, they may instruct us to run a contracts race. And this means the first buyer to exchange contracts. Um, More often than not, this is not the case, though. And so you need to make sure that you put your best foot forward in terms of your best personality face on so the agent knows that you're a reasonable person and you're not likely, if you're sure of what you're buying and you're not likely to want a reduction in the price because you understand exactly what it is you're buying, let the agent know that. Let them know that you're the kind of buyer that understands that the survey is not going to come back all sweetness and light. And it's likely to come back on any secondhand property saying, 
you know, we recommend an electrical test. We recommend a gas test. We recommend a drains test. We recommend a roofer looks at the roof. These are all common things that come up in surveys. We do have an issue. Do look up the Property Buyers and Sellers podcast issue with our RICS surveyor, Scott Chapman. It gives you more detail on that. But the point I'm making is it's not just about the offer you've made. It's also about how you will feel when you see that survey. That's very much in any professional estate agent's mind. And they will advise their client as to not only who is making the best offer, but also who is most likely and most committed to go through and most likely not to wish to renegotiate after survey. So, for instance, if you know that property needs a rewire, be clear with the agent that your offer is made relative to that point. So they know that you already have factored that into your offer. Um, These sorts of things can make the difference and just give you that little edge. I hope that's helpful to you. But as always, drop us an email, ken at jamesalexander.com or give us a call 0208-679-8601 with anything you'd like to be featured on the program. If you have any burning questions that you think might help the masses as well, happy to help with that. Now let's get into the week's property news. The Daily Telegraph says that home buyers are battling record delays. Property buyers and sellers are facing the longest delays on record as the housing market slows to a crawl. An increase in red tape, tax changes, soaring demand and the side effects of extreme growth, house price growth that is, mean the process of buying a home has virtually ground to a halt. In February, the average home purchase took 135 days from instruction to completion. 135 days, goodness me. In f- that's absolutely off the scale. I have to say, we're not experiencing those that level of delays. We are experiencing delays. Our average at the moment is running at about 12 weeks, so that's about 90 days. Um, but it just goes to show things are really, really starting to slow down. It says this was only three days faster in June 2020 when the housing market was just reopening after a two-month lockdown. Excluding the freak 2020 June period, wait times are the longest on record in Landmark's data set, which goes back to 2007. Since then, the average time between extraction and completion has jumped 48%. This means buyers will have to wait an extra six weeks before they can move in. The process has simply failed to keep pace with demand and incremental delays at each point. And they've added up to create a much bigger problem, says Landmark's Simon Brown. Well, there is a problem there. And a lot of it can be dealt with digitally, to be honest, and should be dealt with digitally. You know, in the old days, we did have a thing called the Home Information Pack, which nearly came to fruition, where the sellers would have to answer a series of questions. And those questions would be in the uh, seller's information pack. There's no reason why that pack couldn't be provided to the solicitor prior to the sale being agreed. This would speed things up immensely. Uh, The Home Information Pack was, in my view, a good thing and was able to provide the buyer with the information that they need when the deal is agreed. And in fact, it's something, as I've mentioned before, we do auctions as well. And when we do auctions, we provide a thing called a pre-sale pack. And that is basically a seller's pack, giving all the information that would normally be given out after you agree a sale in one pack, ready to read. And you can download that before you go to the auction room. And that's how auction buyers manage to buy things and have all the information to hand before they actually make their bid. Apart from that, rates and inflation could dent property plans. A poll for market financial solutions says that homeowners and renters fear rising rates and high inflation will hurt their home ownership ambitions. A poll of more than 2000 people saw 28 percent of renters say rising interest rates were damaging their chance of getting onto a ladder, while 19 percent of homeowners said a higher base rate would damage their chance of affording their mortgage payments. 18 percent intend to buy a property in 2022 and 66% are worried that inflation will ruin their chances of doing so. It also found that among existing homeowners, 14% said their plans to sell up and move home this year. 
and 6% hope to purchase an additional investment property. The bottom line is people are worried about inflation and raising rates. Um, but the thing about that we'll come on to in a minute. We've got some more information on that for you, which you might find helpful. Taylor Wimpy, City AM says, has seen their revenue double with reporting a 47% increase in UK house completions. Revenue surged over 53% in the year to December. Um, that's incredible, incredible numbers. And it goes to show how the popularity of new build has risen. And we'll come on to that in a moment and how and why that might be. Kensington and Chelsea plans to crack down on mega mansion conversions. We've got some more news on uh, Kensington and Chelsea in a minute from our friend Roman. But the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea wants to crack down on multimillionaires combining neighbouring properties to create vast mega mansions. The authority is seeking to bring in new planning rules, banning residents from knocking down walls or tullings through to adjoining homes. The mega mansion trend has been on the rise in recent years. It's absolutely if you Google um, iceberg basements, you'll see some absolutely incredible basement conversions where they've gone down so far and so wide, uh, created swimming pools, leisure rooms. It's just incredible. But councillors fear it's having an impact on local housing supply. Um, since 2018, 77 applications to link up multiple homes have been approved by a local authority with the second highest population density in England and a high number of conservation areas and listed buildings. The council said it's getting harder to find room to build homes for the 3,200 people on its housing register. And that's just going to, to grow as well. Families are facing, are facing higher energy bills and they're paying more on their energy bills than they are in their mortgages. It's incredible to think, isn't it? No doubt you've received the notifications, as we all have, on rising bills on our energy requirements. The Daily Telegraph reports homeowners are facing energy bills higher than their mortgages. It's been reported as the cost of fuel soars. Millions have been informed of massive increases to their gas and electric payments from April when a cap on what firms are allowed to charge rises by 54 percent over 50 percent it's just incredible isn't it major providers edf eon british gas and bulb have written to their customers saying their bills will more than double overnight the average uk household paid roughly eight thousand eight hundred a year in mortgage costs in 2021 according to figures from uk finance but older homeowners with smaller loans or those paying on an interest only basis typically pay far less the average interest only borrower paid 3840 last year, down from 4220 while the average energy fixed tariff now costs 3015 a year and households must pay £2,790, sorry, £2,790 for the cheapest deal, compared with 1079 last year, according to U-Switch. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Abramovich, as well as selling off Chelsea, is selling off his mega mansion. You may have saw this to avoid the clampdown. He's selling off UK properties. And Chris Bryant, the Labour MP and head of the Parliamentary Standards Committee, said the government was moving too slowly on imposing sanctions. Um, the property market sources have claimed that Abramovich's house in Kensington Palace Gardens was being offered for sale at between 150 and 170 million. And that Abramovich was eager to sell quickly. One of his closest lieutenants was said to have contacted a large number of prime market agents. Bank of England is mulling an affordability stress test rethink, and this is due to uh, rules introduced in 2014 to restrict the amount of mortgage people could borrow. And that may be reversed following a new Bank of England review. The Financial Conduct Authority introduced strict rules governing how lenders assess mortgage applications in the wake of the credit crunch, saying lenders had to consider the applicant's income and expenses instead of lending 
borrowers a multiple of their salary. On top of these affordability assessments, the rules from BOE force lenders to stress test this affordability. Should their mortgage rate be 3% more than its current standard variable rate? So that's 3% plus the current rate. The bank now believes the affordability stress test could be removed completely without jeopardizing the economy. Well, that's really interesting and could free up a lot of people in terms of their affordability that can't currently get on the ladder. You know, we've seen this time and time again with our renters not being able to buy and yet they're paying a mortgage payment that's the same as their equivalent rental payment should be. So that could be a very good thing. Um, London rents are soaring again. Well, we predicted it over the last year. And sure enough, here it is. Now the pandemic has ended. People are coming back to the city. Average London rents are predicted to grow 14% over the next five years. Data from the CBRE found all 33 London borrowers have experienced rental growth over the last five years. In its latest borough property report, it also found that the average house price in London hit 516,000 in 2021, with a 19% growth expected over the next five years. Popular areas include Kensington and Chelsea, City of London, Camden and Hammersmith and Fulham saw the largest rental increases with prices jumping around a third for each borough. Meanwhile, separate data from Chesterton's found that the average London renter saw 21 percent since 2020. Demand has increased thanks to renters returning to the city looking for office jobs as well as the return of corporate tenants. An article in the Daily Mail, The Guardian and Independent caught my eye showing that tests showed cladding danger 15 years before Grenfell. This is a disgrace. It shows the government failed to publish reports stating that Grenfell style cladding was unsafe for use on high rise buildings 15 years before the fire. An inquiry is heard. Former government official Anthony Bird has admitted he didn't realise two polyethylene core did not pass fire safety tests, had not been published um, and agreed that the research building research establishment for the government showed that out of 11 cladding products analysed, seven failed fire safety tests. An aluminium sheet product was one of the worst performing materials. And of course, this was a very material that ignited. So um, that's absolutely disgraceful. Uh, Inflation expectations climbing to record high. Britain's expectations for inflation in 10 years time have hit a joint record high. Uh, City and YouGov have found households think the cost of living will land at 4.1 percent in a decade's time, up from 3.8 percent. Inflation is currently running its highest rate in nearly 30 years, hitting 5.5 percent, while the Bank of England said the price rises will peak at 7.25 percent. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Increased energy price cap could see inflation hit 8 percent in April with forecasts of peak inflation increase on the last week over concern that Russia's invasion of Ukraine could have an impact on the supply of energy. Now, this is one of the reasons why new builds have become more popular, is that the energy rating can make such a difference to our monthly bills. And if we can keep our monthly bills down, then we have more opportunities to pay our mortgage payments. And new houses are so much more efficient than old. I mentioned last week a house we've just sold in Cairns Avenue, which is actually about seven years old now, and it has an energy rating of B. My clients in a three-bedroom terraced house were paying £80 a month combined for gas and electric before the increases. So you could reckon on that now being £120 a month. But for most of us, that figure just seems incredible. And that's because new homes can be so much more energy efficient. But be prepared. There is a rub. And that is these houses tend to be much, much smaller than the equivalent on the private market. And for most of us, can we live with those smaller spaces? And the answer is for many people, no, they want larger homes for their money. And in order to get the best large home for your money, what you need to do is look at the second hand market, because that's where most of the stock is anyway. But new build, you'll pay a premium for. They're out there. 
in small numbers and they do have the advantage of that shiny new just made under warranty the idea is that you'll be relieved of the stress the developers will possibly buy your home from you but i have to say in my experience the price that they'll give you is rarely open market value it's usually open market value less 10 percent then given that you're overpaying the second hand market by at least that amount you end up 20 percent out of pocket overall if you are buying and selling doesn't mean you shouldn't do it it just means you should go in with your eyes open and actually if you're going in for the long term does it matter you know if you're going to stay there many people retire into new homes and therefore aren't thinking of moving in the next 10 years it all comes out in the wash anyway so if you're looking for a home, I hope it's going well. Do email or call us uh, with any questions you have, anything you'd like us to feature on the show. That's it for this week. Stay safe and well. We'll be back next week with another edition. Until then, look after yourselves and if you can, your family and friends. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production.